the grain. Looking at big ideas through the lens of small communities. A podcast where arts, culture, and the human experience intersect. Tackling serious topics through fun perspectives. Seeking that grain of truth. Hello, Grain family. And you are family. I hope by now, if you're not yet, you will be. I'm your host, Jody Srutek, and I'm here with my co-host, Darian McLeod. Uh, today, we are going to get to know Darian a little bit better. So, um, Darian, do you have a story to tell us? Oh, Jody, really? <laughs> For those Just you, one, maybe yeah, two? Yeah, like I say, which one? Which one would you like? Which, which one would you like? <laughs> Uh, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Dara McLeod, and uh, I laughed at that because one of the things, I am literally a professional storyteller. Uh, by that, I mean I'm a, an actor, I'm a director, I do a little bit of writing, but I am also a professional storyteller, which means I go around telling stories to people uh, in schools a lot of times to young people, but also adults in all different types of conditions and situations with uh, from prisons to elementary schools, literally. So I thought today, Jody, the story I want to share is our origin story. By our origin story, I mean not you, not me, but the grain. The grain's origin story. How we how we came together. How this little white woman from Binghamton, is that correct? I think Binghamton, That's New York. That's the place. Yeah, Binghamton, Binghamton New York. New York. <laughs> <laughs> How she finds herself in the low country of South Carolina and how this self-professed big black dude from the Midlands, Columbia, how we come together on this podcast and make family and talk about the places people and things of the lovely 29203. That's a zip code that we're broadcasting about and from sometimes. So um, to begin with this, I have to go all the way back. This story takes us all the way back to um, the night I almost died. How's that for a highlight? The night I almost died. So like I said, I'm a professional storyteller and the last Saturday of 2020, no, I'm sorry, the last Saturday in November of 2020, I'm sorry, I'm wrong already, no, November of 2020, I had a gig for online storytelling festival. Uh, the name of the festival is uh, Better Said Than Done. My gig was to go on and tell a story. And I was all prepared and had um, learned this new story, had created this new piece and was a little bit anxious about it, kind of excited about it. It was during COVID. So I hadn't been in front of people in a long time and hadn't had the opportunity to tell stories. So I was excited about getting a chance to do it, even if it was online and I felt a little anxious and all the good things, all the charge that comes. So as I'm telling my story in the middle of my story, it feels like behind my right eye, a star explodes. And that's the best way I can describe it. It was white blinding, pain. I like any pain I'd ever felt before. And I've had kidney stones and, you know, I used to be very physical, uh, played football. And so I've, I'm no stranger to pain, but this was like, unlike anything. It hurt so much that I could barely think. Yeah. You got a question, Jody? So let me just get this right. 
this is happening to you while you're on stage in while front of I'm, an audience of people. Exactly. Exactly. I am on stage. I'm on the virtual stage. I am in the middle of telling this story that I have never told before. This is the first performance of this story. I am in literally in the middle of the story and my head explodes to the point where I'm distracted and I, 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 somehow I muddled through the story. I got through the story. I finished the story. Um, I took my virtual bow and I exited. And to be told honest, I wasn't even sure I completed the story because I said once the pain hit me, my thoughts were scrambled. My brain was just this big mess. And my wife was lying on the couch, kind of doing her thing. I think she was reading and kind of half listening. So I finished, I said, was that okay? You know, I was asking, then she's like, yeah, that's good. I like, that's her first time hearing the story. So did you recognize something? I mean, other than the pain, did you recognize something was really wrong? Did you recognize like, I, I think I might be in serious trouble? No. No, I did not. I, I thought I have this little joke I do all the time. It's like, oh, I think I just had a stroke. Like whenever I say something stupid or the lights would flash, I'd, I'd said that my little stupid joke. But I literally thought I'd had a migraine because my wife experiences migraines. I've never had a migraine. My I do life. get migraines. And when you said that, mm-hmm. a star exploded behind my eye mm-hmm. and it was a blinding pain. Mm-hmm. That is exactly how I would describe my migraines. Okay. So that's, I thought just from knowing people like you and everything, I thought I'd had a migraine. I told my wife, I'm going to go lie down. So I got up and I walked into the bedroom and I laid down. Now the next few days are in a haze because it's a haze of constant pain and me trying to make my brain work. But as time passes, I, I know something's wrong. My wife knows something's wrong and I can't I can't really get myself together. And I tell her, you know, I, I think I have COVID because this is the height, we're near the height. The height is actually probably January, but this is near the height of the pandemic. And, you know, people all talk about the brain fog. Like I said, I can't make my brain work correctly. So I'm thinking, I'm not having any respiratory trauma or anything, but I can't think. I'm in this constant pain. I can't get myself together. I can barely move. I can barely see. I think I'm experiencing COVID. So my wife, we collect ourselves and we go to one of these immediate testing sites where you get the test results back in 30 minutes. And I know I'm in trouble because when I go to the car, as I walk into the car and I'm kind of ambling more than anything, I get to the car and she doesn't notice it, but I've got to look at the car door and I've really got to figure out how to open the car door, how to lift you know, the door and get in. So up to this point, this has been three days since your performance and the, and the first symptom with the pain. Mm-hmm. It's right? more, probably more at that point, I think it's the performance was Saturday. I'm thinking it's Monday. It's Monday morning. Okay. Monday morning. So, so like a full day or so, Mm -hmm. you hadn't been up and around. You just stayed in bed. I'd just been in bed. And I have no feeling for time. I have no understanding of time. All I know is literally the best I can describe it is I was seeing the world through a a haze of pain. So the passage of time, even the experience of time, I I can't really even describe. I was kind of out of time. Mm -hmm. 
And my wife was trying to convince me to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. This just, I just, you know, I just need to. And finally we decided, well, maybe I think I might have COVID. And if I got COVID, she's right there with me. So we think we both got COVID. So we leave the apartment. I struggle, I get in the car, but um, what to me seemed like forever to her must've been like a second or two because she didn't even notice that I struggled to get in the car. We get to the car and when we get to the site, uh, the site has a drop off in the front and then you have to go park the vehicle you're in. So my wife drops me off in the front and I struggle, I get out the car and I'm walking up to the front door. And again, there's a there's just a regular door. One of those doors, you know, old school, you just, it's got one of those long rod handles on it. You lift the, the handle, you go inside. And I could not figure out how to get inside. And my wife had gone on to park the van, to park the car, and I couldn't get in. I, I couldn't make it work. I, I, and part of my brain was like, wait a minute, it's a door. But I I couldn't make things sync up. Things that you just take for, I couldn't make work. It's like a bad dream. It was. Where you're, it was... In, where you're in the dream and you, you know, you want to scream, but there's no sound or, right. you know, you know, you want to reach to grab something, but you can't. Like you envision and think about doing it, but your body doesn't. Exactly. Doesn't exactly. Wow. And to add commentary to it, the this site was manned by um, what's the military, the weekend warriors, uh, the uh, the National Guard, the reserves. Na- National Guard reserves. Thank you. This site was um, manned by reservists. And so the dude in front, I think he thought either I was, I think he thought I was drunk or something. So he starts like clouding me like, yo, man, what's going on? You can't get in, you know? He's like, why? And I was like, yo, man, hold on, hold on a second. Let me get myself together. It's like a bit, it's been a rough morning. I literally remember saying that. And he was just kind of clowning me in a, a good natured way, but I don't think he realized how much trouble I was in. So finally, after I don't know how many attempts, and my wife is driving around the parking lot looking for a space to park because it's it's crowded and all that. Finally, I finally struggle and I get in somehow. I can't remember if someone came out or I went in, but somehow I find myself inside the building, literally. I can't even remember how I got in. Luckily, the door opened right into the room where the testing occurred. So I'm there and I see the people and I walk over and a woman gives me, it's that swab test. We have to swab, swab your um, nostrils. And I could tell even though I'm kind of out of space, out of time, the woman's looking at me like, what's going on? I think everybody thinks I'm high or drunk because I'm right. obviously impaired somehow. And it's like you said, it's like I'm trying to operate through this fog, through this haze. And so I do the swab test and they tell me, okay, um, wait, I, I think I had to give him my name or whatever. And I had to go and wait outside in the parking lot for 30 minutes before you get your results. So I struggle out, I get outside that door and I get out into the parking lot. And my wife is not there because she's had to go park wherever she could find a park. And so I'm in the front of the building and I might as well have been in Afghanistan. I had no idea where I was. I couldn't figure out, I couldn't figure out, you know, right from left, like easy ma- navigation. I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I was, where I, where I was, was kind of on the corner of the building and I saw more parking lot behind the building. So I kind of ambled back there. And the weirdest thing, I'm, as I'm walking 
through the parking lot and over sidewalks and things, I see like I'm walking up to a car and my brain goes, oh, there's a car. So you would like, you wouldn't even think about it. You just walk around a car. I couldn't maneuver. I couldn't get out the way of the car. So I literally wouldn't even stumble into the car. I would just walk into the car. So by now, people, you've interacted with with some other people at the testing site, some medical personnel. They don't know mm. there's anything or you don't even know there's something wrong. Right. But they've seen you and they and they can tell something's not right, but they don't know what it is. Right. But so, they don't see me in the back of the parking lot because they're still in the building. They're in the nobody front was of the kind of like had their eye like something right with that guy. Like, is he OK? Not that I know of. No one was watching. OK. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the back and I'm I'm literally walking into people's cars. Luckily, there's nobody sitting in that car. But I bumped into like at least I want to say two, maybe three cars. I can't remember the exact number. And I'm struggling and I'm struggling. And my wife pulls up. Some uh, No, I, I remember, I think I went one way and I think I may have circled the building more than once even maybe. And um, there were these two people in the back doing something and I asked them um, where the front of the building and the way the building is built, you know, it depends, you can, or where they were, you could have called that the front or you could have called the other side the front or whatever. So, and they were like, you mean, I was like, yeah, I, I tell my, I was getting a test and they point my direction out and I stumble around there and I'm in the parking lot again and I'm going for my next lap and my wife pulls up in a van like, hey, what are you doing? Get in the car. And I think she must've been, you know, driving around looking for me, whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I get in the car and I'm sitting in the car and sometime after that, I'm not sure if it's immediate or whether it, it takes another few minutes, they come out to the car and they'd say that we both have tested negative. So we're like, okay, so we really said, wow, it's not COVID. All right, so what, what is it? What's going on? What's going on? So I, we come back to the apartment. I get in the bed again. I'm lying in the bed. And I have a cousin who is a registered nurse. I said, um, her nickname is Candy. I said, maybe, maybe we should give Candy a call. Maybe we should give Candy a call. So Michaela, my wife, gives Candy a call. And by now, I think it's like Monday night, I think, maybe. And Candy's like, meet me over your mom's house. Like I tell you, my mom still lives in 29203. So I'm piled into the car. We go to my mother's house. My cousin breaks out her blood pressure cuff, and she puts it on me. And my pressure was 222. Oh, my God. Stop. Over a 193. And my cousin was like, you to the emergency room right now. No, then? my cousin looked at me and she went, you're fucking dead, man. No kidding. <laughs> and I was oh like, what? God. I was like, what? And she People, said, so, so let me back up for a sec. Cause there, mm -hmm. if you, if you are listening to Darren's story and kind of I know for a lot of people who have not really been around sick people or hospitals or don't have a background in nursing or medical or any of this, you know, you hear blood pressure numbers and you're just sort of like, I don't really know what that means. Mm -hmm. So 220 over 110. When, yeah, when it was 222 over 193. 193? I think that's what, if I remember correctly, 193. Okay. So that is it. 
like impossible, right? Dropping,ly high, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, and so there's a lot of reasons why you might get a bad reading. Like mm. it, usually, you would get something like that, and just be like, "This doesn't even make sense," uh, and do it again. But with your profile of symptoms, she. Uh, knowing the first thing she did was take your blood pressure was like, Oh, okay. So something's wrong. That's the mm -hmm. first thing she checked mm -hmm. rightly. So, so, but, the, but like a normal blood pressure for, for you it, with your height and your weight and your age would be like half of that. Right. Right. Precisely. Precisely. Literally, literally half of that. Correct. And, so, and so even incremental increases, like, you know, one, 150 over 90, you know, 160 over 100 is like, that's a, that's a jump, you know, mm, so mm. for it to have been that high. So did they, did she drive you herself? Did they drive? Or no, they uh, once again, like, because... Water? I'm a hard-headed man, hard-headed well, ass man. Anyone listening to what you have to say? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> so, you know, my wife is like, my mom is like, my cousin is like, you got to go to the hospital. I was like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, so she's like, okay, okay. Gives Michaela some um, medicine and says, look, he, because I'm like to the point, I'm, I'm not. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm telling you, I'm good. I'm walk this off, shake it off, whatever. I don't know what the hell I'm thinking I'm going to do. But I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And, and, and Michaela takes me home and she tells Michaela, okay, this should lower his pressure almost immediately. No, no, no. I think it was within an hour. If it you does not. You have not told them that you were struggling no. to... No, to move, no. To Michaela didn't even know at that point, even that point in front of, and she'd been seeing me other than being in the bed. She'd seen me move and everything. So what to me seemed painfully obvious, I guess that other people didn't see, but I knew I was struggling. I knew, like I said, I was having to figure thing. I was having to figure out how to open a door. Right. Well, and, and so to an outsider that might just look like you were moving slowly because you were in pain. Right. 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 But <laughs> but it never occurred to you to tell her that you were not feeling right in that way. You just had a headache. I, I, what can I say, Jody? <laughs> I hope you learned your lesson. So grain family, you know, hard heads and soft behinds, you know, <laughs> all this good stuff, man. So I'm like, so Michaela brings me home and I remember being in bed and poor Michaela, poor Michaela. She's just hovering over me. I mean, she gives me the medication and she's literally sitting there on the edge of the bed, just watching me. And so when I'm in and out and I'm in and out, I'm in and out. And initially my pressure drops, it begins to drop. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I remember thinking to myself, okay, we're about to get through this day. And the next thing you know, it spikes again. And then she gives me more medication, I think, and then it drops. So we're doing this thing where yo-yoing is going up and it's going down, it's going up and it's going down. And then finally, just finally, I was like, I have had enough of this shit. I'm like, baby, call the ambulance. And she knew for me to say that it was mm -hmm. pretty severe. So the ambulance comes and I just remember being in the back, like my vision was all skewed and everything. And I just remember being in the back and a perspective lines being all too, it was like a, it was like a, a, a movie or something. It was like clockwork orange. Everything seemed like, 
out of space, out of time, out of sync. Everything was just weird. And, and I remember feeling like I was in like an iron box, not like I was in a vehicle. I remember feeling like I was in a box. I remember thinking to myself, huh, I wonder if Michaela can ride back here. And she couldn't because of the pandemic. So when the um, EMTs picked me up, they put me in the back of the pandemic and she had to ride behind the ambulance in the car following us to the hospital. So once we get to the hospital, she can't even come in the hospital. They won't let her in mm -hmm. because it's the pandemic. Yep. So I don't really, it's all a jumble. The next thing I really recall clearly is I'm in the hospital. I'm in, um, I think it must be the emergency ward, um, the emergency board. And and this dude is shaking me and waking me. He's like, Mr. McLeod, Mr. McLeod. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, and he asked me some questions and he goes, and, and I noticed as he's asking me questions, I'm like, what, what, what? I noticed my mouth is like, I'm tasting blood. I have that iron taste of blood. Mm. And I'm like, what the, and my lip is busted. So my, my lip is busted and my nose is bruised. And I'm like, what's going on? And later on, I still don't really know what happened. I think I must have fallen off the gurney, maybe, because uh, later on I discovered both my shoulders are injured. So my face is bruised up, not super bad, but my lip is busted enough to be bleeding. I've got a bruise, little bruise on my nose and both my shoulders, I can't even raise my arms, my hands. I can barely raise my hands above my shoulder. I don't know that. I don't know that then as I'm lying on the gurney. So the dude's wake, he's waking me and he's shaking me and he's talking to me and he's like, what's going on? And he's giving me these questions. And he's like, uh, Ms. McLeod, you've had a stroke. I was like, stroke? And the first thing I thought in my mind was like, stroke? I didn't have a stroke. That's what the old dudes had. And I went, oh shit, people. that's yep. me. Mm -hmm. That's me. And he said, yeah, and you've also... Had, and this is the part that makes me think I must have fallen off the gurney. You've also had a seizure. A seizure. When you said the blood, I thought you probably had a seizure. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And I think I had a seizure because I've been stroking for three damn days. And my probably. body was finally like, you know, all right, dude, you don't want to shut it down? We're going to shut it down. So I was like, oh, okay, all right. So they admit me into the hospital. And so I'm in the hospital and I had a hemorrhagic stroke, which the, uh, yeah, I had a brain bleed, I had a brain yep. bleed. So that type of stroke I had, the survival rate is like 16%, but I've made it through. I've made it through. And then on top of that, like say I had a seizure and I've been stroking for like three days and blah, blah, blah. I just kept laying and the, and the doctors were looking at me like, what? I, they kind of look at me like, what is wrong with this dude? Why? So. You know, I'm going through and I'm seeing all the different nurses and I'm seeing all the different doctors and over and over again and blah, 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 blah. And then as as we're in there, uh, I, I get uh, they come to see how I'm moving and they come in and we walk around the ward and they're like, wait a minute, like, you know, my ambulance where I'm, I'm pretty good and I'm thinking pretty clearly. So with all that saying, with all that pain and all that suffering and suffering a major stroke and a seizure, I came through, for the most part, pretty unscathed. Like, I could hold a conversation. There's no slurring of words. My thoughts, for the most part, were clear. Um, it was uh, kind of trippy. You know, it was kind of trippy, but 
I've been in there for like five days, I think. They held me for like five days. And, and the next day, I remember it was a Friday. The next day, I was going to go home, but they were going to run a procedure on me. Some type of procedure. I, don't even, I still don't even know what it is. I need to, I got to do my research and check it out. So they're going to run a procedure on me, you know, to check some final things. And the next day, I would be, be released. They come to um, my room and they administer some type of medicine. I don't know what the hell it was, but, but my body did not like it. And like, I wasn't, you know, like people talk about gasping for breath, struggling to breathe. I wasn't struggling to breathe, but every heartbeat felt important. You know, you know, you're in trouble when you can feel your heartbeat is something you take for granted. Yeah. Until you're running or something, or, you know, you, you do something to really elevate it. But every beat felt like there's no other way to describe it. Every beat felt like it could be. I was fighting for every every beat of it slowed i think it slowed it was like boom and it's like i say it wasn't like you know like covid or anything gasping for air it was just my heart like i was willing my heart to beat uh-huh like if i had lost focus i was really afraid i was really afraid like if i lost focus like it may not be like i had to think about it beating i had to will it and you were alone in the room because they hooked you up to the IV and they started the drip and was right. the nurse still there or did she walk out? No, I was I was there alone in the room, but they, they knew something was wrong. I don't know whether the, the machinery went off or I called or something, but they came and they took me and they took me to some place in the ICU. I, I, it's all kind of hazy. All I know is I was in this room and it was two women and it's two and they kept asking me the same questions over and over. Um, what's the day's date? And I would answer the day. I can't remember what day it was, but I had the date right. And the next question was, who's the president? And I couldn't answer who the president was. And they kept asking me over and over and over. And I'd know the date, but I didn't know who the president was. You know, now I'm thinking it was Trump. Maybe I was doing that willfully. Like, <laughs> I don't have to remember this dude. Well, but, was uh, it November? Because that's kind of a trick question at that point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was December. It was early December. You know, they... <laughs> I, I got sick the last Saturday in November. So this was early December. So he was still, he was still press. Yeah. But did you have it, but you couldn't say it? It was or like, did uh, you literally not have it? It was like, it was that, good point. It was that frustrating thing where you know it's right there. You know, it's like- Like when you see someone and you've forgotten their name. Right, it was like, I couldn't grasp. It was like trying to grab fog. I couldn't, I couldn't grab. I was like, I was like, no, no. And it it was driving me crazy and I knew what it was. And and I was like, I was struggling, but I knew it when it was right there on the tip of my tongue, on the tip of my brain, but I couldn't get in. I was pulling at it and somehow they had, accidentally notified Michaela. She wasn't even supposed to be there, but she kind of bullied her way into, into where I was. And she said, she just, she's like, it was just, she said it was crazy just watching me go through that. And she said she knew I was in trouble when they were trying to put her out the room. And I said to her, don't leave me. And she said, when you said that, I knew you were in trouble. And all I could think about, you know how people think about all the cliches, the cliches were true. Cause I was literally thinking, like I said, I knew if I did not focus on my heartbeat, it wouldn't beat. And all the things people say you think about, like I thought about my wife, I thought about my daughter, who at that point was still 12 years old. 
And I was like, I didn't want to leave them. I didn't, especially my daughter, you know, she's 12. I didn't want to leave her, you know? Um, and, and to be totally honest, you know, people go, you know, well, I felt the light. I felt this, pre- I didn't feel any of that shit. <laughs> I was like, all I feel is nothingness. I'm trying to stay here. I'm trying to stay focused. I'm trying to stay alive. I'm trying to stay alive. And I remember it was weird because like the dude, me and the dude were kind of like wrestling. I think he was like trying, I was trying to get up and he was trying to keep me down or something. And and I remember kind of like this flailing around and and eventually- at that yeah, point. yeah, it was just crazy. You're literally, you, your body recognizes something's gravely wrong and it's fighting. But it wasn't like a full-on fight. It wasn't like, ah, it was like just kind of more like this fish-like flailing thing. Like, if that was fight, I was done for, you know? It's like, okay, dude, you're out of here. So um, eventually you tell Michaela, she's got to leave, she's got to leave. So she leaves and I'm flailing and I can't answer the question and I have no sense of time and very little sense of space. And the next thing I know, I'm afraid to go to sleep. I'm afraid to go to sleep because I'm thinking, yo, if I go to sleep, it's a wrap. That's it, dude, you're not coming back. So I'm afraid to go to sleep. But the next thing I know, I'm waking up and they're wheeling me to another room and I see a bedroom. And when I go on, there's a tape delayed um, football game, Arkansas football. I remember, I can't even remember who they were playing. I think it was Arkansas and Mississippi State. And I just remember thinking, oh, I'll just focus on the football game. That'll keep me awake. That'll keep me awake. I'll just watch the football game. So they put me in this room. It's dark. It's late at night. It's in the middle of the night. And I'm watching Arkansas versus Mississippi State. And the next thing I know, I wake up and it's like early morning the next morning. And I'm like, oh, yo, am I dead? <laughs> Did I make it? And I was like, okay, I made it through the night. And I, I, I made it through that night and they kept me three or four more days. They kept me long enough. I remember I was just agitated because the hospital is one of the worst. I was so ready to go home. I was tired. I was funky because I hadn't bathed in like almost two weeks at that point, I think. I mean, I was so bad. I was like, man, I stink. I can't stand this. I was agitated. I was. I couldn't get any rest because every two to three hours, there was someone in coming, taking, and taking the same test over and over. And the staff were great. The nurses were great, everybody. But I was just agitated. I was leave me the fuck alone, you know? And somebody was in there taking a test and I couldn't sleep to the point where I started hallucinating because mm-hmm. just sleep deprivation. But I was afraid to tell anybody that I was hallucinating because I'm trying to get out the hospital. So I'm keeping it to myself. And you know how- uh, You like, shouldn't do that, Darian. I know, I, I like know. we maybe learned our lesson by now. <laughs> I'm usually you a good patient. Tell them that kind of information. <laughs> usually if you, I'm the type, I've always been the type dude, if you go, if, like whenever I got injured, they went, okay, you have to do this and take this and do this and then you get better. I'm like, okay, dude, because I want to get better. I like, I'm going to do this and take this and I'll get better. But this one, I was just like, I don't know, I was fighting it all the way, just fighting it, just fighting it. And at one point I started hallucinating. I started, you know how when you're, um, remember the paper clip that used to be on, um, was that Windows? 
I do. Yeah, <laughs> the little bit would help you and ask yeah. you. Yeah, we are aging ourselves. Clip. Yeah, I think right. some of our younger millennials and Gen Z will have no clue what we are yeah. talking about. Okay, I'll do, uh, uh, well, I was about to say film strips. They wouldn't know, but you know how when you're sitting down and you you're doodling. You're making these pointless lines, a curvy linear, you draw a line and it curves on itself and it curves on itself and it, you know, it's a spiral. You're just doodling. I would see that like everywhere. Like you, people would be talking to me and they have their hands together and it would crawl out between their fingers and go into the air and spiral into the air and fall into the corner and then coming back across the room. I remember one time a nurse was picking up these blankets and it intertwined itself in the blankets and came out and like kind of stood in front of me and spiraled into space. And I was just seeing that, that everywhere. And I was like, but I wasn't telling anybody that. And then finally, um, a nurse came and they were all cool. I loved all my nurses. They were so cool and so nice. The doctors, the staff were great. And I was talking to her because I would I was talking and I was clowning. I was like, um, yeah, um, I'm seeing things. And she said, What? I said, Yeah, I'm I'm seeing things I know can't be there. It's like, oh, you just sleep deprived. She's like, that happens all the time. <laughs> it's like, you know, she told me, told me the story of one of her patients, like we're seeing cats everywhere and stuff like that. It's like, no, I'm not seeing cats. I'm seeing a little doodle scrawly thing. She's like, oh, you're fine. You just need some rest. So I was like, okay, cool. So we get through that and we finally get to the point where um, I'm supposed to come home. Part, You know, I've had a stroke, which affects, I've had a major brain bleed. And so they're checking my cognitive and emotional capacity and all this. So to give me that test, you know, the test that that uh, Trump bragged about passing? Yeah. The uh, camera. Man, woman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they give me a test that's analogous to that, right? It's not the same words, but it's basically the same thing. So I get like three or four words into the test and I, I stop, my neurologist is there and I stop, I say, wait a minute, it's like, this is like a test. Is this the test they gave Trump? And she just bust out laughing. It's just like, if you can, if you can figure that out, you're okay. Right. So, um, yeah, I, for the most part, was and you remembered his name this time, and I remembered his name that time. <laughs> <laughs> so shortly after, they released me from the hospital, and I come home, and that's a whole other story. But to transgress the next thing, I forgot to tell you what the, so when I go, when you do these storytelling festivals, they usually have a theme. So you wanna guess what the theme for the storytelling festival was that I had my stroke performing in was? Oh God, I would have no idea. The theme of the festival was aches, pains, and injuries. Oh boy. <laughs> So I come home and I'm home uh, recovering. And that's a whole other story um, that we'll maybe talk about on the grain. But um, during this time, Thaddeus, who the grain family has heard us talk about, Thaddeus, who's one of the principals at the Nickelodeon Theater. The Nickelodeon Theater Theater in Columbia, South Carolina, is our, uh, our local art house theater. And Thaddeus made a reach out to me about doing a podcast entitled The Grain. And The Grain was actually, before Thaddeus is part of a new regime at the Nick with the old regime, they had reached out to me about doing a radio show entitled The Grain. I actually did like, 
I think I did three episodes with them that have, I don't know where they are now. So when Thaddeus reached out to me about doing this podcast, that's like, sure. It's like, and he told me that I'd have a co-host named Jody Srutek. And I was like, cool. And I was like, okay, who is Jody Srutek? And he told me a little bit about you. And I was like, okay, white woman, not from here. We could do a podcast about 29203, the zip code in Columbia, South Carolina, where I grew up and still do a lot of things and still have a lot of love. We'll see how this goes. And then our first talk, we connected about health. You with the story, your family story about your daughter and me. At that point, I had not too long been released from the hospital even. I think it might have just been a few weeks even. But you and I connected talking about healthcare and what, because I know you. we talked about navigating healthcare. Because at that point, all of a sudden I was stressed into the system and I had no idea. I had all these different doctors, had all these different bills, had all these different uh, plans and situations. And it really is, I consider myself a competent adult. I've been adulting for a very long time. A very, I've been adulting longer than most people. And I was for the most part lost and not only lost, but a bit intimidated and a bit discouraged um, by just the weight of it all. We talked about, that was a commonality that we had. That was something well, that was Well, right, shared. because you were quite new to that world. Right. The, the medical world, the sick world, the hospital world, that life. Mm -hmm. And I have been doing it for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. and so one of the things that people just don't realize is how much you have to coordinate your own care and how much of it is totally outside of your control. Yeah. You know, so you like, need a diagnostic test, you need a CT scan. They schedule it for you. You right. don't get to say, Well, I'm not available on Tuesday. That was one of the trippy things for me. The doctors would call and be, Hey, you need to do this. We've scheduled or the or the not even the office would call and say, hey, Mr. McLeod, we've got you scheduled for blah, blah, blah on this day at this time. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, literally, I had no idea that they would just schedule things for you. And like, I know that might sound convenient, but believe you me, it is not. Because you, yeah. you're trying to figure out your whole life and trying to, you know, and they're just like, okay, you have to be at this place at this time and bring this amount of money with you. And it compounds too if you cannot provide your own transportation. So at right. this point, I don't think you had been cleared to drive yourself. I could not because of the seizure. That was another thing. Right. So they prescribed me blood pressure medication. And one of the things they um, subscribed me during the seizures is medication that alters the the electric electrical patterns in your brain. And I hated it because it made me kind of dopey, mm -hmm. you know, and I had to take it twice a day. I had to take it once in the morning and once in the evening. And it made me, I could still kind of push through, but it definitely affected just the sharpness of my mind. I hated it. But they gave me uh, that medication. I couldn't drive. I couldn't drive for six months because they didn't know what caused the seizure. I, you know, like... And they didn't want me to be behind a wheel and have another seizure. And this medication I was on was supposed to mitigate the chance of another seizure. And all this was happening and all that was going on. So all of a sudden I had no freedom. Every time I, I know people like, well, and that, luckily I have 
tons of friend and friends and family who helped me out. But think about it, if every time you went to your car right now, you had to think about it. You had to arrange and try. And that I'm still caring for my daughter. My wife is working. So my daughter's got her own appointment. She's got her own medical appointments. She's got places she's got to get to. I'm still, you know, figuring stuff out for that. So every time I had to do something, I had to call someone and arrange with them to come pick me up. And the same person who picked me up could not always be the same person, would not always be the same person who would pick me up from wherever they took me because of the, because people have lives. And it was, I hated that. It becomes, it becomes full-time job. And that's just, that's just managing, um, transportation moving right. around coordinating Medicine. everything the insurance the oh my god transportation dietary your medications understanding your procedure all of it and and you know you and i have resources to manage that and, and a support system and so this is some of the stuff we're going to talk about here on the grain as well when we look at 29203 and then other places and how it's connected and how it's disconnected how those services are there or not there but who is like I was where you calls. live really can oh definitely affects it definitely affects so I was getting calls like from like they were planning visits like I, I was I was planning to get a, I had a CT scan plan mm -hmm. and you know I'm a I'm a gig economy worker I'm a theater professional I'm an actor so I don't work for a company that has an insurance plan I had no insurance. I had no insurance. So when they called me for a scan, they said, yeah, I'll come. And the scan is $5,000. You've got to have at least two thirds of that to get the scan done. So I'm like, what? Like, I mean, literally, like, I'm like, that's impossible. That's not only difficult, that was impossible. So I still, to this day, I'm still figuring it out. And I haven't had a CT scan yet because I'm still piecing things together still figuring out this and still figuring out insurance and one time i thought i had insurance but then they said no you you didn't because that policy you did have insurance for like three weeks but that policy changed a month later so now you've got to re-up and start all over again it's like well can i get the same thing it's like well you can get the same thing but it's not called the same thing now it's this and you have to do this and, uh, and it's like and then one time i filled insurance out and uh um it's like I, I filled it out for me personally. And I said, well, you have to fill it out for your daughter too. And I said, well, my daughter's on a different insurance, but it doesn't matter. So it was, it was, yeah. it was, and still is bananas. I'm still trying to decipher it and still trying to make sense of it. And I just could imagine people who are more alone in this world and how can they, and how are they making sense of this process? Right, and and also people who maybe don't don't speak English or aren't native oh my English God. speakers or haven't maybe they have an eighth grade reading level mm -hmm. or less. Um, maybe they have you know a cognitive disability. Uh, there are so many things we we had to travel for care. So mm -hmm. you're fortunate enough, in some ways, to at least live in a in a major city like Columbia that has a level one trauma center and right. mm -hmm. and all of those specialists there we have to travel we coordinate care through locally through columbia also now in charleston and even in memphis oh wow so mm -hmm. and i've also had to go to hospitals in florida as well so it's like it, it gets very complex yeah. is the point of it so but to and that's some of the stuff that we're going to dive into for 
for all of you, but we wanted you to really understand where we were coming from as people and as hosts, as we walk with you through this, this show so that, you know, you get to know us as family. Right. Uh, we want you to be part of the family, the grain family. So Thaddeus came to you and said, it was supposed to be a radio show. Now we're doing a podcast. We want you to continue. This is going to be your co-host. You and I talked. We we went through this whole conversation mm-hmm. about, I know exactly how that feels. And so even though you are a big black dude from Columbia, South Carolina, and I'm a little white girl from upstate New York, I've lived in South Carolina for almost 20 years, though. So I do mm-hmm. feel like I, you know. I'm, it's home now, right? I feel like I'm a southerner now. <laughs> I think you qualify. In some ways, in some ways. But yeah, so now we're doing this show. Yeah, we're doing this show. And this show, The Grain, like I said, we use the lovely people of 29203. That's where I grew up. That's kind of the center. That's kind of the lens we see the world through. We start with 29203, but it's just like any place that's populated by human beings. Those stories are common stories that you can find. You can find parallels to those stories in India. You can find parallels, parallels to the stories in Mozambique. You can find parallels to stories in South Africa. You can find parallels to stories in Binghamton, New York. And that's, we're really talking about people, about people, about humanity, how we all link together and how our stories, how we have more in common than uncommon. But even the uncommon things are interesting things that we can share with each other and talk with each other about, you know, that we don't have to be the same person and we probably should not be the same person, but we can appreciate who we are. And this is a place that we can come and share those things. And those things can be funny sometimes, and those things can be sad, and those things can be big, or they can be small, but they're things that we can and will share here on the ground. That bird is driving me crazy. Okay, I was like, is that, is who is that? Is that you or me? Uh, you're like giving this deep. <laughs> bird is just squawking away. <laughs> but that's life. I mean, you know, you try to you try to have a, maybe it's just me and my ADD where I'm like immediately focused on it. Because <laughs> the bird is, oh, it's very interesting. But Gray family, if you if we keep this, you hear this, this is real life. To Jody's point, this is real life. We're doing this as a podcast. We're on online right now, and we deal with family, and we deal with pets, and we deal with birds, and we deal with thunderstorms, and we deal with, of course, technical issues. But we're here for you. We're here for you. We're here for you. We're coming back all the time. Please. Please help us up out subscribe. Maybe the bird, maybe we'll get the bird to subscribe. <laughs> if he, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a special guest. <laughs> so before we go, I just have one question now that I, you know, we, we just had that whole conversation. All right, shoot. You were doing your performance mm-hmm. and, you know, you had this event um, while you're performing, you finished your performance. Was it recorded? It was, I think. <laughs> and did you, you I'm know, sure. so like, so you think, so you, it, there may be a recording, but if there is, you haven't seen it. I have not seen it. 
have not seen it. I have not, you know, one of the things I'm going to do as a storyteller, of course, I'm going to develop a story about, or actually there's so much that I didn't tell for the sake of time. Stories, there's multiple stories about this experience. So I need to go back and do a little research, you know, on that moment. And, uh, you know, I still don't know what the procedure was in the hospital, I don't know the name of it. Yeah, but that's kind of adds to the thing because I think one of the things that happens to people when you go through things like this, there's a lot of mystery, you know, and there's a lot of people talking around you, about you, over you, like you're not there, you know. That is a big part of, yeah, that is a big part of living. And I'm a very independent person. I'm, you know, arts professional, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I have a family, I have a wife wife and kids and all of a sudden for someone to talk about you almost like you were a child or something I was like I know I had to like whoa whoa time out what does that mean or sometimes just to be totally honest you'd be so tired you just you just didn't even care it's like just do what you got to do you know but literally there's so many things about being sick that we can just talk about and grain family I know you can relate to because the reality is if we, if we live long enough, all of us will eventually become ill with something, become disabled. As you age, you move differently, you think differently, you are different. You become part of that community. And what does it mean to become part of that community? In big ways or small ways, if you're walking on a cane or a walker or in a wheelchair, you know? Or even if you look well, but mm -hmm. you have something, you know, internally that that keeps you from living life the way you used to. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a big part for me in my line of work, my day job, so to speak. I, I plan travel for people and I, mm -hmm. I specifically help people who have chronic medical conditions plan travel because um, that's just where my experience is. And mm -hmm. so many folks look the vision of health. Mm -hmm. But they have underlying conditions that, you know, prevent them from, for example, being able to drive just like, mm -hmm. you, you know, you mm -hmm. look like a healthy guy didn't, uh, you know, from the outside, everything is fine. But, you know, you had this uh, situation that made it unsafe for you to even drive a car. Right. Right. So mm -hmm. all those things, we'll, we'll get into all of that stuff. We've been, we've been on for a while today and, and I think folks have really gotten to know you through that story, how you respond to things with good humor, <laughs> even, <laughs> even the hardest um, challenges, but also you'll, you'll look at it head on and, and really tackle things with honesty, that grain of truth, right? That grain of truth, that grain of truth. Well, I think we're starting to pile up some nice grains of truth. I think we're doing all right. All, all right. right. Well, make sure, folks, make sure you subscribe. Please. Uh, that's going to be a big thing for us. We need our our friends and supporters to subscribe so that you're notified when we have new episodes. We have such a fantastic slate of episodes lined up for folks and, and all kinds of topics. So we really want people to listen and engage and connect with us. And we're looking forward to it. All right, Grain family. The Grain Podcast is brought to you through a grant from the Knight Foundation in partnership with Indie Grits Labs and the lovely people of 29203. Thanks to our audio engineer, Isabel Alvarado, and our hosts... 
Darren McLeod, and Jody Srutek. And don't forget to subscribe to The Grain for more great episodes.